It's got to be one of my all-time favourite songs, that song. Beautiful. Our reading today is from 1 Peter, and I'm starting from 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And this is his precious word. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Are we enjoying the fact that you now have a choice? You can look this way or you can look this way. It's wonderful. Can we give a round of applause to all the men that came in and helped out with this on, on Friday? We climbed up ladders, we did cables through roofs and everything. It was wonderful. I had the awesome job of going up into this roof. Here it was lovely and cold. There is... Uh, Ah. Well, good morning. I hope you all are doing well. I hope none of you as well actually went out this week, bought a pool scoop or something like that, found a river near your house and tried to clean it out. It was all a metaphor, I promise. For those wondering who missed last week and are thinking if they need to buy a pool scoop, um, last week I began a little summer series on flowing rivers. We looked at the story of the rich young ruler in Luke and we saw that there were things in his life that weren't allowing him to have a full relationship with Jesus. He was more worried about his wealth and his prosperity and it showed when he chose those things over Jesus. We compared this to a river, that perhaps there were things in his river that were clogging it up. There were twigs, there was dirt, there was things that were not allowing it to flow freely. 
And we learnt that it is only by the power of Jesus, as we surrender to everything, as we surrender everything to Him, that we can flow freely, that He can come through like a flood and cleanse us completely. And hopefully, for us for 2020, that's what it'll look like. And so just before we dive into part two of this series this morning, I wanted to give you all a moment to reflect. I want, to, I want you all to just to take a few moments right now to identify perhaps one or two things in your life that are key that may be clogging up your rivers. You see, psychologists say that simply by becoming aware of things can be the biggest impact for change in our lives. And so before we go on to talk about what holy lives look like, I just want to give you a moment. Is there anything in your life clogging things up? We have such a busy life, such a busy world, sometimes we don't get a chance to think about ourselves like this. So just close your eyes where you are right now and just for a few moments think about that and then I'll pray. Lord Jesus, I want to firstly in this moment thank you that you died for our sin and shame. That when we think of things that perhaps are holding us back from you, that we know that you're the God who came to us. And in this moment, I want to remind everyone that you're coming to us again. Lord Jesus, I pray that the things on our minds right now the things that we know are in some ways clogging up our rivers, clogging up our lives, that aren't allowing us to have that 100% full relationship with you. I just pray that we would in this moment right now feel them start to flow down the river, that we would be able to let things go, that we would be able to let you come in and do what you need to do. Lord Jesus, we love you so much, and we thank you for the grace that no matter how much we get clogged up in our rivers, you're always there waiting to unclog it for us. You love us so much and you desperately want to be with us. And this morning, in this moment, we say we want to be with you too. Amen. So now that we've begun to identify how things can clog up our river for, for the year coming, I want to talk about this morning of how we can do some things to ha perhaps keep our rivers unclogged all year. Some principles and some things that we can do to keep flowing freely. Now, sometimes things may, again, clog up our rivers. The whole us being imperfect thing kind of inconvenient sometimes, but it may happen. But hopefully the principles from our text today should act like a net that can catch those things and try to remove them. See, I didn't mention it last week, but for those who weren't here, I talked about how as a kid in school, I used to love on rainy days with my friends racing leaf boats down this really long gutter. It was awesome. We used to have so much fun with it. But one of the things we did was if we wanted a fair race, if we wanted the race to go quick, if we didn't want any traps or dams or anything like that, we'd all line up all along the gutter, all at different points, and we'd put our fingers in spread out like that. 
And they all just sit there waiting. And then after a little bit, we'd lift our hands up out of the gutter and there'd be all this dirt and stuff and the water would be going really fast. We'd do that a couple times and we'd catch all the stuff in our hands and take it out and then shake off our hands and then we'd do it again. Then you have a really cold hand because it's raining and you just got it really wet for a long time. Wasn't the best, but it was what we had to do. And so what, um, when we look at 1 Peter today, and there are themes all throughout Peter's letter of being holy. He actually calls his people in the letter to be holy. He actually speaks of our lifestyle so much and being holy that he mentions it more in his letter than the whole New Testament. However, it isn't just a call to righteousness he's called to be holy. It's a call to come to the Father, to see him work in your life and to do something like putting your hand in a gutter, catching all the stuff and pulling it out. It's letting God be that hand. You see, it's so much more just to act holy than to actually be holy from the inside out, from your soul, and let that be holy. This was something that Peter was so passionate about, and that's exactly what we're going to explore this morning. Peter really wanted to get that people's lifestyles had to change in pursuit of holiness. As I said, not simply to seek righteousness, but to seek a true encounter with the hope that Jesus Christ has offered us and to be changed by that. Let's jump into our text this morning. Uh, The first verse that we're going to read, uh, the first verse we're going to read speaks of our minds being ready to be holy. It's an inside-out action with equal importance on both aspects. Uh, When Jesus comes into our life, it should make a difference. When we fully grasp that idea, when we have an encounter with our holy God, we should therefore be holy because of who he is. Kind of like this video we're about to watch. That was a really smooth cue, I thought. (laughs) if you haven't gathered already that was his first time trying bacon and I think that was the proper response bacon is amazing you see that boy's life has been saved and redeemed and changed forever by the sweet grace of bacon You see, he worshipped, he cried out, he loved it. When we experience our truly good and holy God, it must change us. 
when we experience our holy God, we then must be holy. As a bit of context, the word holy means set apart. It means to be different. And in a basic sense, we can understand that as, is God sitting with us right now? Spiritually, yes, but physically and really, is God here right now? No. He might be sitting, he might be somewhere in the room, but he's not physically here with us. No, he is set apart from us. There's a difference between God in our world in ways that he can't be here with us. God is perfect and powerful, and unfortunately we are not. And so we are set apart from him. God looks different to the world, but God calls his people to look like him. And so therefore to be holy like he is and to be set apart from the world. To be holy is to look like, act like God, in that sense that we are set apart from the world for God, to be with God. That's what our text for for this morning. Helps if I turn this on. There it is. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Our first point for this morning is to set your hope to Christ and be holy. You see, hope changes everything. I know we've all heard that before. And so in pursuit of holiness this morning, of being like God and being with God kind of holiness, Peter introduces here a connection between hope and holiness. He states that we must set our hope in Jesus for when we truly hope in God, something happens. You see, I was watching this Christian movie this one time about Americans playing NFL and it was their whole life, but there's this moment when everything's falling apart Nothing's going right, and the coach is sitting at his desk, and this wise man comes in to share with him a Bible verse. And then the coach says, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where. I've lost my hope. And then the wise man says simply to him, two men are out in a field, and they both need rain. They both ask God for it, but only one of them turns around, starts working and preparing his field to receive the rain. And then the wise man says, which do you think of the men received the rain? And then the coach says, well, obviously the man that prepared his field for the rain. And the wise man says, God will send the rain. We just need to be ready to receive it. In verse 13, Peter speaks of our minds being fully alert and fully sober. There it is. Now, that doesn't mean being not drunk and awake. It's saying that the world around us can dull our brains and can intoxicate us. The world can clog up our rivers in a way. And so we too, we need to unclog ourselves and be ready to receive the hope that Jesus gives us. Peter wants us to get that before we start the journey of holiness. We must sober up from the evil, from the pressures of the world. Let us turn to Jesus and his grace and focus on the hope that he has given us. But what is our hope? What is Peter talking about here? Well, he says quite clearly 
that our hope is grace. Peter is saying that we have already received the grace of God through Jesus on the cross. He died for us and took away our sin and shame, but it doesn't stop there. There is more coming. Friends, Jesus is coming back. And we have to be thinking about this in our everyday lives. As Christians, we must cling to the hope that he is going to come, that Jesus, that God isn't finished with us yet, that Jesus has forgiven us and given us meaning and love, but he has also given us grace and there is more coming. We need to live like we are saved and hope that there is more coming when Jesus returns. Peter here also gives us a picture of being obedient children. There it is. Someone who is willing to be obedient. Uh, You see, Peter here is touching on something that Paul himself actually refers to a lot. Paul speaks of obedience as being evidence of genuine faith. Someone who is willing to be obedient is surely showing that Jesus is in their lives and their lifestyles are to follow him uh, in the way that Jesus instructed, that someone who's dedicated to following Jesus and his ways will be obedient to him. Those who are obedient desire desire Jesus and follow his ways. So when we set our hope to Christ, when we focus on Jesus, we forget the things of the world. We forget the pressures and the evil around us. We focus on the hope that Jesus is coming again and we follow him. We follow him and what he says. That leads me to our second point for this morning, which is that we need to set our hope, well, sorry, we need to live in the hope that our home is in heaven. In verse 17, we are opened up to some strange ideas. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. The first part shows us that God is going to judge us impartially. He's not going to be closed-minded, but he'll be open-minded. But I want to address the foreigners bit, because I'm pretty sure I'm Australian, but he says I'm supposed to live as a foreigner. You see, the idea of of foreigners calls us back to the idea that we are actually God's children. He's changed our identity, and we are to live holy lives here on earth that the idea that we are set apart, we are holy for God, and therefore we actually don't belong here. We don't belong on earth, but heaven is our home. The kingdom of God is our home. Peter is saying that our home in this is, is in heaven, and we need to live like it. See, when I was in school, I went through this stage where I thought it was really, really cool to swear. For the kids in the room, it's not. But I thought it was. And so every second word was something that I should not be saying and will not repeat this morning. But I just thought it was a way for me to fit in, to fit in with all the guys at school. And so every second word, I was just dropping uh, swear words here, there, and everywhere. But when I got home, I would, so I would say, hello, Mother dearest. I hope you enjoyed your day. Oh, no, I stubbed my toe. But that's okay, and I feel no need to swear like a peasant. That was me. I was completely different when I was at home. The fact that I was home with my parents made me live differently. 
called me to a higher sense of living because I didn't want to be like that because I knew I'd get in trouble. I knew I'd get in trouble and I knew I'd get in trouble. When we treat heaven like our home, it will change us. When we treat heaven like our home, it will change us. Verses 18 to 21 point out that Jesus has made a way for us to experience this, this reality. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the enemy, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. You see, I find this, this little passage so interesting because when, when he says, if I can be fancy, right there, a lamb without blemish or defect, there's a little correlation here to the Old Testament that Peter uses. You see, what he's doing, he's actually sending his readers back to Egypt, back to the Exodus. We remember the story where the angel of God came upon the land and all those who had lamb's blood on their doorstep were saved. You see, Peter so interestingly here states that the blood of the lamb that also delivered Israel out of their captivity, out of their slavery, saved them and brought them to their new home, the promised land. And now this is happening again. Heaven is our home. Peter states very clearly, you're no longer in this captivity. The blood of Jesus has saved and redeemed you, but it's also saved you from your captivity here on earth and is bringing you out of exile, out of slavery, out of Egypt in some ways, into your new home that is in heaven. You see, Peter is declaring such a great truth that Jesus has made a way for us once again to live with God. God delivered his people out of captivity yet again. And so Peter is begging us, be holy, live in the house of God. Look to your father and live in his house. And so this is where we see the hope come back into the picture. And Peter says that your faith and hope are in God. Friends, we are a saved people living in the kingdom of God. But we need to place that hope in God for one day he will bring his people home once and for all. And we need to be ready. We need to live set apart so that this truth will be a truth for us. Not to earn our salvation, not to do everything right so we're living good enough but to show that our faith and hope so that what the cross has done in our lives will affect what we will do for us in the future. Our third point for this morning is to live simply, love purely, and crave spiritual milk. Verses 22 to 25 depict for us what a purified life looks like, that we will love one another deeply, 
for we have been born again as new creations. And then in chapter 2, 1 to 3, we see our need to be fueled by God himself. Let me read the first part. Now that, we have you, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this was the word that was preached to you. In verses 22 to 25, we get the idea that is through our actions, that our faith is confirmed, that through hoping in God and coming back to the idea that we will live in his holy house together, might I say, that we will love one another. And we are called to be holy like God. God is holy and loves us, and so we must love each other. However, the main emphasis of the verse is not simply just on loving each other, but the knowledge that we should because of what God has done for us and what he has done in us. Verse 23 says powerfully that we have been born again by God's imperishable seed. But what is that seed? The seed, this seed is being the enduring word of God, as it says quite clearly here in verse 23. The word of God created all things. It was by his breath that he made everything back in Genesis And Peter is highlighting that it is through God's word, through what God has done, that we are reborn. In John chapter 1, that he highlights that the word is Jesus. We know that the word is Jesus. The word of God is him. And it is through Jesus we are reborn. This I'm sure we know. And we do this so that we can be sure that by following after Jesus, by following his word, by following his actions and who he is, that we will be coming back to the very beginning of our creation, the way God wanted to be. For it is through Jesus, the word of God, that we have been reborn and remade. And so as we follow this word, we will see ourselves living a holy life. You see, this is such a deep truth, that Jesus has fully restored us back to the beginning, back to Genesis, when God made us perfectly to live in the house of God with him. We truly are blameless before God. Let me say that again. You all are blameless. You are all perfect in the eyes of God, just the way you are. What Jesus did for you was so powerful. In some ways, it made it like Jesus seemed, it made it like it never happened. Jesus fully restored you. So we just need to crave pure spiritual milk, like a newborn child, as it says. In chapter 2, 3, we read, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and of all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As I said, friends, we have been completely reborn. So much so that we need milk like a baby. And so we must crave the good stuff so that we may grow up in our salvation. We must look to Jesus, hoping in him for what he has already done and what he will do. 
You see, verse 3 provides for us the ultimate answer. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, what have we tasted? That our beautiful and loving God is our pure spiritual milk. He is what we have tasted. We must crave more and more of Him. We must devote ourselves fully to God and His Word. Friends, we need to get into our Bibles. We need to see what Jesus has done for us, see who He is, what He has to say for us. In our lives, we must connect with Him, pray with Him, worship Him. In every moment of every day, be with Him. We need to look to Jesus and what he has done and then do it. We need to crave after what is good, like a newborn baby. A baby doesn't want what is yuck. It wants bacon, as we've seen quite clearly. If you try to give a baby something it doesn't like, good luck. <laughs> my sister's just had my, a, a little boy. He's five months old. Little disclaimer, already walking. He's amazing. Yeah, that's right. Be impressed. Okay. But they, whenever they try to give him things he doesn't want, it's very quick head turn. No, I don't want that. Baby doesn't want what is yuck. He wants the good milk. You see, just this week, as I was writing this sermon, I was reminded of this. I went into the fridge and I, at the moment, there's not a lot of staff here. It's just kind of me and Lisa. And I opened the fridge and there was a bottle of milk. About this much left in it. And I thought, awesome, I'll be able to make a coffee. And I checked the date, and it was a month ago. <laughs> and so I thought, I'm preaching on craving spiritual milk. And so I opened it, and I had a smell. Can I just say, crave the good stuff. <laughs> that, that, was, that was nasty. That was not good. Milk that is in date is much better than milk that is not in date. But quite clearly, in life, why would we go for that? Why would we not crave the pure spiritual milk? Why would we drink from a carton of off milk? Trust me, don't do it. <laughs> it's not good. Just like at the start with the baby, we need to love what is good. Guys, Jesus is, in a sense, bacon. Enjoy. <laughs> you see the impact of what having the good stuff is like, and we see what the impact of having the bad stuff is like. Too much as Christians, we allow ourselves to be tempted to put up with evil. Oh, it's not that bad of a movie. Oh, it's okay to make that joke. I can watch this on the internet. I can speak about this person like this. They won't ever know. Oh, just one more time, just to experience it. It's only a little rebellious. It's only a little bad. We're drinking off milk every time. Who here would let their babies, for those who have babies or plan to have babies in the future, drink off and dirty milk? I don't think so. We would never... That's what all the worldly stuff is. That is what Peter's trying to get us away from. It's gross, off, disgusting milk that will never see us grow up into our salvation. No, friends, we need to crave the good stuff. So for 2020, I want us to consider a few things to help shape your lives. Firstly, as I said last week, 
Walk up and down your rivers all throughout the year. And if you notice a twig or a log or something that you can just bend over and pick out, do it. Just, just, just take it out, throw it onto the wash. If you see something that maybe you need to let, let go, let float down the river, just give it a little push. Just let it go. Let it flow down the river and I guarantee you, your river will flow better because of it. Or maybe there are things that we can't shift at all. Maybe there's a huge, huge rock or a tree that has somehow grown up in our river. The things that we need to let Jesus know about, that he can come through and wipe it out. Friends, whatever it is, friends, let us pursue holiness together. Hoping in Jesus that he can do it. Know that. Know that he can do it. That he called us to live with him, to be with him, to let things go that we need to, and that he has the ability to save us from anything. May we also know who we are. Number two, who Jesus made us to be. Children of God who crave what is right, who crave God himself, and treat all evil stuff like it's off gross milk. Don't even touch it. Pour it, drown the way, pour it down the drain. Run away before you smell it. If our focus for the entire year is to chase after Jesus with all that we have in every moment of every day, to seek him in everything and to allow him to come through our rivers, then I guarantee you, you will certainly flow freely. As I mentioned at the start of my sermon, that I would, me and my friends, we did our leaf boat races, that I would dip my hand in and get all the stuff and pull it out. I want to remind you, in your lives, in your rivers, Jesus has already done this. As much as we can look at ourselves and look at our rivers and think they're so clogged up, I want to remind you that they're already clean that they're already fully emptied, that Jesus already put his hand in into the cold, gross, leafy, dirty water and pulled it all out for you already. We can hope in him that he will help us because he already has. <laughs> Sometimes we just forget that. You already are children of God. You already are clean, purified. You already are exactly who you need to be. We can hope in him with everything because he's already done it for us. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. I feel like every time I pray after a sermon, that's the first thing I say. Thank you so much. That's because by your word, I see you in it all. I see what you've done. I see who you are. Whenever, we are. whenever I talk about you, I just see you in your goodness. And so in this moment, I thank you. I thank you what you've done for me, what you've done for every single person in this room. In some ways, God, I thank you that we're not perfect so that way we can see how good you are in the way that you cleanse us. And I thank you, God, that you are going to come through this year like a flood and clean up our rivers. And speaking of floods, we do pray, God, for rain.
We hope and we know that you are good, that you are watching what's happening to our country as it burns and that you're not happy about it. You're hurting with us and God, we pray and we beg you, you see it, do something about it. Send rain when scientists say that there's no rain coming. Stop the fires when we seem like they're out of control. Give our firefighters and our police workers and everyone a break. Give our political leaders wisdom in this time, but also give them patience as they, do, as they deal with a hurting country. God, this year we need help already. And so for this whole year, God, may we look to you in everything. When things are going right, when things are going wrong. God, as we start off our year, let this be the year where we draw closer to you than we ever have before. Perhaps for the first time, if there's anyone here in this room right now who perhaps isn't sure about God or all this stuff, who is kind of happy with the way the river is, I want to pray for them right now that they would just get a glimpse of who you are, what you can do for them in their lives, the love that you have for them. God, we pray for our brothers and sisters here in our church that we would support one another. As Carol shared beautifully today in communion, we are a family that comes together. And I pray, God, that we would come together and love each other every week. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jack.